Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. As I begin today, our employer has been very proactive in relation to the coronavirus and I suppose everybody's talking about it you can't help avoid the conversation every person you meet is talking about it and now I have in front of me a packet of W5 antibacterial multi-surface wipes with strict instructions from our boss by email this morning that every presenter must clean his station uh, before and after his gig which I think is very proactive and I think all employers should be proactive in talking to their staff about hygiene but we do want to talk about it because, of course, it is getting serious. It, it, well, it always was serious. And the first case of the coronavirus has been diagnosed in Northern Ireland. The patient, who is understood to be a female, travelled from Northern Ireland via Dublin, i.e. they came from Italy on a flight into Dublin Airport in the last 48 hours. Now, HSE official has confirmed all passengers who shared the flight with the woman who tested uh, positive for the new coronavirus have been contacted. That contradicts a story I heard earlier on today where it's only passengers in two rows immediately in front and behind. So we don't really know how true that statement is. But anyway, uh, all of those have been contacted who need to self-isolate. Although we're not really being told whether she travelled by train or by bus. Now, according to a statement, by the way, from Ironrod Aaron, they have said that... um, they confirmed that it carried out a full deep clean on the Dublin to Belfast Enterprise train service overnight. But they also said it's not clear how the woman travelled from Dublin to Belfast and the train service carried out the clean as a precaution. So it's a bit bizarre that we're being told that Ironrod Aaron cleaned the train, but we're not being told if she actually went by train. And then I heard a taxi driver this morning saying that next week when the Italian fans, even though the match is not on, are coming from Italy, because they're still going to come anyway. If you, I mean, if you've booked a flight to Dublin for the weekend, you're probably still going to go and make it a little holiday. So they're probably still going to come here. They're not going to cancel their flights. Um, and a taxi driver said he works in Dublin Airport and he's not going to go to work that day because he said he's worried. And I think everybody's a little bit worried because of maybe a lack of information. And there's also misinformation out there as well about, you know, the do's and the don'ts and what we can do and what we can't do. And is everything just going to happen whether we like it or not? So to give us a bit more information is Dr. Kim Roberts, who's an assistant professor of virology at the Department of Microbiology at Trinity College. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Kim. Hello. We're all very concerned. We're all very confused and we're all very worried about what we should and shouldn't do and what the inevitability of this whole thing is. I mean, where do we stand now? I mean, is it just a matter of time, I suppose? Um, I think there are increasing number of cases around the world and it was a matter of time before we had a case in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So the events of, of yesterday, I don't think surprised really uh, many people. We just didn't know um, when, yes. yeah, Exactly, we didn't know when. However, it's really worth remembering that this is an isolated case and we don't yet have any evidence of any widespread transmission of the virus in Ireland. So now is a really good time to be asking all of these questions and to thinking through how we can best prepare ourselves for um, the potential that the virus might spread around more. Is it a pointless exercise, for example, as Simon Harris said, Um, He believed it was ineffective, for example, to scan people at the airport coming from certain destinations via Italy, for example, or northern Italy. Is that a pointless exercise? Because, look, it's going to happen anyway. And, you know, standing there with a thermometer and sticking it on everyone's head coming off a flight is a kind of pointless exercise. Is that a pointless exercise? Yes. It's not recommended by the WHO. 
right. to scan at points of entry, so airports and ports. And in part, because what we've learned from previous outbreaks is that unless you completely close down a border, which is very difficult to do. Well, that's an economic disaster, yes. Exactly. So it has huge implications. And, yeah, it has huge implications. So that's not going to happen. Unless you do that, interventions at borders are fairly limited. If you think about the type of people that might be picked up um, with a a scan um, at the airport, so a thermometer check or a questionnaire about their health, You're probably going to pick up those people who are feeling unwell, who if they see posters saying, if you're feeling unwell, here is how to get advice, would act on that advice. But you're not going to pick up a whole load of other people who may develop symptoms further down the line in in the next few days. So, for example, for this particular virus, it takes between 1 and 14 days for for somebody who's exposed to the virus to develop symptoms. On average, it's about five days. So if they get on the plane in less than five days since they've been exposed to the virus, they're going to develop symptoms whilst they're already in the country, but um, but they'll have been missed at any kind of airport check. I mean, is, also, is, it possible, is it possible, Kim, that there are hundreds of people, and somebody just gave me this theory last night in relation to, say, China, where we know currently there's about 70,000 people who have the virus. We, we know, sadly, over 3,000 people have died. But is it possible that that number is actually two or three times that and people just haven't presented themselves? Is it possible in Ireland that maybe 100 people might actually have it but just think they have the flu and they'll recover from it and they'll be grand? Is that possible that people have it, just don't know they have it, and are not going to go wandering into hospital saying, I think I have the corona, when really I probably just have a flu? I think we're not quite at that point yet. So um, we think that most of the transmission of the virus happens from people who are showing symptoms. And there's been a lot of information about this virus and people travelling from infected areas, so people coming back from Italy, people coming back from China, Um, And if they have symptoms, those people have been strongly encouraged to contact their GP, who then set up um, notifying the HSE and putting all of the um, systems in place to identify if these people have the virus or not. Remember, over 90 people have been identified in this way and have been tested and proven to be negative for the virus. So there doesn't seem to be the evidence that we have lots of virus in the country at the moment. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, it, I, as you know, everybody's talking about it. And yeah. it is creating a bit of a stigma, too, because I was actually out shopping yesterday and I passed by a fragrance aisle where somebody had been spraying air freshener or something like that, which got to me. I went to sneeze. So I did the thing Helena, my producer, was giving out to me yesterday about sneezing So because I, I was sneezing with my hand over my mouth. But, but I sneezed into my elbow, right? And yeah. two women further down the aisle looked at me like I just murdered their firstborn. And I, everybody was, and I felt so bad. And I'm going, they're looking at me wondering, do I have the coronavirus? There is this kind of sense of panic at the moment, isn't there? Absolutely. And I would say that there is a sense of wariness, particularly on public transport, as you say. You know, somebody coughing and sneezing on the bus they're going to probably get um, dirty looks, dirty looks yeah. from, from the from their neighbours. But remember, there are lots and lots of other conditions that can cause these very general symptoms. Okay, well, then let's, let's just allay some of the fears. Okay, we know that about 700,000 people die every year of the flu in the world, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, in relation to coronavirus, let's just say it's another virus that we have to deal with, like the flu, and becomes pandemic. 
what the mortality rates, uh, you know, of the two. Um, what I mean, what are we looking at? The flu, I believe, has a mortality rate of 0.5%. I think the mortality rate, or has that changed? It's about 2% at the moment. Is that still the same, 2%? Yeah, so for most seasonal flu, so the, the flu we get every winter, it's about 0.1%. Oh, is that low? Sorry, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, it changes. There, there are fluctuations, but it's about 0.1%. And for an, an overall the mortality rate at the moment, it's a number that changes frequently, but is about 2% um, for the and new why, coronavirus. And why is that higher when we, we hear that the symptoms for corona and the flu are quite similar in a sense? I know the swine flu is different where people used to get a headache with it as well. And that has a lower mortality rate too and did spread around the world. We couldn't stop that yep. either. But why is it that those symptoms, even though they're the same, tend to cause death in more people, particularly those who are elderly or vulnerable. Is it because of a respiratory situation? Or what is it about this particular virus that makes it more dangerous? Because I suppose we don't understand the virology of the whole thing. Yeah, so, I mean, it's worth remembering that we often compare this coronavirus with flu because it's an easier thing that, that we're more familiar with. But they are very, very different viruses. And the, way, and the um, reactions that they cause in our body are actually quite different too. So the symptoms for coronavirus are um, a fever in the vast majority of people, a dry cough, um, maybe aching muscles, um, maybe a sore throat, maybe a runny nose. But those symptoms tend to come a bit later. But they, they sound exactly like the symptoms you might get from the flu, don't they? Absolutely. And, and this is the confusion for people. We don't know. So are we going to get to a point where we're going to have loads of people presenting themselves thinking they might have coronavirus and our health system is going to be stretched, but it's already stretched as it is, with people who just have the flu? Absolutely. And there is that potential. And what it's really important that people realise is that just like the flu, with this new coronavirus, if you have symptoms but you're okay, it's fine to stay at home and just treat those symptoms. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go to hospital. Notify your doctor. That's great. Get some advice from your doctor. But if you're essentially well but you have a sore throat or a cough, you're able to look after yourself at home, then stay at home. Stay at home until you're feeling well. That will dramatically slow down the transmission of the virus and help the, um, the health services cope with the, the cases where they actually do need medical assistance. I, so in about 20% mm -hmm. of people, those people will get more severe um, symptoms. And that normally happens after about the eighth day of symptoms. So it'll start off being the same. It'll start off with a, with a fever and a dry cough. The aching joints, aching bones. Exactly. Yeah. But instead of starting to recover after eight days, those people will continue to struggle with breathing. They'll get shortness of breath. And the, and the virus can cause um, a more severe infection in their lungs. And it's those people who really need to reach out to the doctors and get medical advice and go to hospital if necessary. Okay, and, and that's for antibiotics, for the, the symptoms that, that carry on from the coronavirus, not the coronavirus itself, but the other, the other symptoms that it creates. Yes. If I could ask you to predict, because you being a virologist, you know how these viruses evolve and how they change from host to host and how they adapt to different circumstances. And they'll, they'll even adapt if we produce chemicals or uh, some pharmaceuticals to try and stop it. They would adapt mm -hmm. around those. If I could ask you to predict, and from your experience, where do you think this is going to end up? 
I know that's a tough question. I'm going to put you on the spot. But if I, but if I said to you moment. in a year's time, what, what do you think is going to happen? Is it going to go away? Do you think that we can manage to control it to a point where it'll go away? Because I don't, is swine flu still around, by the way? Because yeah. we don't, it is still around. Is it because we don't yeah. hear about it anymore? It's but just I, normal seasonal flu now. Okay, all right, okay. So do yeah. you think this will be just another, in five years' time, another dangerous virus like the flu, like the swine flu, like the common cold, that we just have to contend with every year? That is a possibility. We don't know. If we get widespread transmission of the virus and it turns into a pandemic and most of us become exposed this year, um, then the likelihood is, or there is a potential that this virus may then become established within the human population. And instead of just having cold and flu season, we'll have cold and flu and, and coronavirus season. Mm. But, um, but we don't know yet. We don't, have, we don't have the evidence. We don't have the knowledge to be able to answer that question. By the way, I just got a message here from somebody. He says, that, could you ask Kim? Well, I, well Kim and I was not a doctor, let's be clear about this. She's a, uh, she's a professor of virology. But I'll ask you the question. I mean, you might actually know the answer. Um, uh, someone who has no spleen, are they more susceptible to, a, to the coronavirus? Um, a text just sent in. They had an accident and they have no spleen. I don't know the fun. Actually, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know the function of the spleen. What is the function of a spleen? Well, I wouldn't, so I'm not a medical doctor and I don't think it's my place to kind of comment I'm, on the impact of the virus on particular um, conditions. But I think it would be fair to say that those who have underlying conditions or other conditions or respiratory conditions or asthma or other conditions that would affect your respiratory system more so would be the ones that would have to take a little bit more caution or maybe they're uh, receiving cancer treatments or whatever it happens to Absolutely. Be. Those people who are at greater risk of a severe infection are those people who are generally over 50, but also those people with um, with underlying health conditions. Okay, so, so by the way, I just, I just got on my screen here that um, because the spleen plays a crucial role in the body's ability to fight off bacteria, living without the organ makes you more likely to develop infections, especially dangerous ones. Well, if that is the case, I would imagine, I'm not even a doctor, but I would imagine, yes, you would be in a more vulnerable situation. And if you did notice any of those symptoms, that you should immediately go to see your GP or talk to your GP. Don't go and see them, give them a ring and talk to them. But in relation to very quickly then, I suppose the things we can do as the people and citizens of this country to try and help the health services to contain this and stop this. The obvious thing is I have a packet in front of me here of W5 antibacterial multi-surface wipes. Does that make a difference? Um, absolutely. So the way that this virus is transmitted is through, um, is through respiratory droplets. So the droplets that we produce when we, when we cough. Um, and sneeze. And how long can they hang around the air? I know it's not airborne as such, but droplets obviously are very fine. They can be in the air. So how long can they hang around the air for? I mean, so if somebody's in this studio, 20 minutes later, if I walk in and they've sneezed in the studio, it's unlikely I'm going to get anything, I imagine. If you walk in 20 minutes later, you won't be breathing in that virus because these particular large droplets, they land pretty um, pretty quickly and they land about a metre away. Okay. So if you're if you go visit somebody who is sick, standing a meter and a half away is a good way of protecting yourself. Okay. So um, and, however, there's, yeah. there's, if somebody sneezed in that room, if they haven't wiped down the surfaces around them, you could then put your hand down on that surface, pick up the virus, and then if you touch your face, your mouth, your nose, or your eyes, you could then infect yourself with the virus. So one of the big roots of transmission for this virus, we think, 
is when we um, is when we touch a contaminated surface and then touch our mouths. And our how long nose. can it live? Like if I had it now and sneezed here uh, on this desk by accident, right? I just got a, a sneeze. And how long will it live on that desk for? Does it depend on the temperature of the room? I mean, how long can it survive on that piece of wood? It depends on the surface that it's landed on um, and, as you say, the temperature in the room um, and whether or not those droplets dry out um, very quickly. But mm. viruses um, can survive on surfaces for, um, for hours. Do, so, they, do viruses like warm weather or, or cold weather? What, what are they, or do they adapt? Um, viruses are just pieces of, of, um, of genetic material that don't really think about anything. But, Why? Um, but they can, the conditions um, of the environment can have an impact on how long those particles survive outside of a host. But for this virus, we don't have the data yet to know how it's going to behave in terms of humidity and temperature. Right. Okay. So, so the advice, so the advice is, get your wipes, and every employer should be telling their staff to keep their their surfaces clean, um, and and wipe them down with these. And it says here kills ninety nine point ninety nine percent of bacteria. I wonder what the coronavirus is in is in there as well. But bacteria and viruses are two different things. But I imagine they it's still are, helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it's still helpful anyway. Well, the thing is, is that the best thing you can do is regularly wash your hands and yep. wash your hands well. So for at least twenty seconds which is about the time it takes you to sing the happy birthday song twice. Oh, that's a good little tip, then, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. So sing, sing it in your head so people don't think you're strange. But, what, but that's the length of time that you need to wash your hands because it's the mechanical action as much as the solution. So soap and water is best, but alcohol sanitizer um, also works. And also, if you have one of these alcohol wipes, you can use that to wipe your hands as well because it's that mechanical action. Of course, if you're using a wipe, put it in the bin straight away after as well. Um, So regularly wash your hands. Wash your hands before you eat. Obviously, wash your hands when you go to the bathroom. But if you're traveling on public transport, wash your hands as soon as you get into work. Wash your hands if you've been shaking hands with lots of people or if you've been interacting with lots of people. Um, well, we are hoping as well, by the way, the Catholic Church will make a statement in relation to that because the question has been asked a few times about Sunday Mask and the idea of the, the show of a sign of peace, which is mm-hmm. shake, which I always find very awkward, by the way. But but when, when you turn around and somebody doesn't shake your hand, you're kind of standing there going, hmm. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so there's uh, people maybe should just wave at each other or give each other a thumbs up or something like that. Absolutely, instead. or a really, or if you want to have that contact, elbow to elbow can work quite nicely. There you go, a little elbow to elbow. All right, well, listen, it's been one wonderful talking to you it's been very very informative and I know you, you, you're not too over familiar with the actual particular case in Northern Ireland and how it got up but I know taxi drivers at the airport are all in a panic and everybody who's in a panic who's been in close contact possibly with that woman but of course that's not your department Kim but I but I understand I think they've got a lot of inf- uh, useful information out of what you said today thank you very much indeed and thank you Kim Roberts Assistant Professor of Virology at the Department of Microbiology at Trinity College <laughs> Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.